Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson here to discuss whatever that was on Saturday night. OU falls to Texas Tech 51-48 to in overtime in a high-scoring affair. Another high-scoring affair at night in Lubbock. And there is much to talk about after Oklahoma falls to 6-6. Six and six. The first time in a long time Oklahoma finishes the regular season without a winning record. Before we started recording, you you called it a uh, a what? By the way, you, it, it was a drunk a drunk game. One of those crazy college football games. Yeah, the game was drunk. It's one of those college football games that literally everybody loves. The thing that makes the sport charming. That Twitter was kind of blown up about and saying that this is a really fun game. But if your team is involved in it, it's absolutely maddening. It's torture. And that's I mean that's what it was last night. And uh, yeah, two two very very average to below average football teams in just sort of a slap fight last night. <laughs> so I mentioned you know first time OU finishing the regular season without a winning record, first time since 1998, and that was before you and I were paying attention to Oklahoma football. I mean that was 24 years ago, and of course they could still finish the entire season with a losing record. If Oklahoma loses the bowl game, and that hasn't happened since 1998, the final year of John Blake. And you think back to the start of this season, nine and a half was the win total. And Oklahoma has always kind of been Bob Stoops era, definitely Lincoln Riley era, you know, 10 wins, 10 and a half. And for the first time in a while, they were set under that at nine and a half. And Oklahoma goes six and six in the regular season. The win totals are set for the regular season. Oklahoma falls short of expectations by at least three wins, at least three wins. So I'm trying to figure out a way to get this podcast going. Obviously, we have this whole entire game to talk about, but here's what I want to begin with. I want to ask you this question. How on earth can anybody who's watched this team in the year 2022 feel anything but trepidation, concern, skepticism for the future of Oklahoma football right now, Grant? Yeah, I'm certainly in the most probably uncertain period I've been since I've been following this team as as the main hobby of my life. Um, and so I, I guess yeah, I'm I'm kind of at a at a crossroads here. I'm not. I kind of go. I, I I come on the podcast today, and and I'm curious at at sort of the tone that everybody wants, kind of how everyone's feeling because I don't know. I I I reached a point last night. Now like they were up twenty four to six with six minutes to go in the second quarter last night another situation three of the last four games now where they had a team at a position where they were begging to be put out of their misery and OU just just couldn't do it refused to do it three of the last four games and um I I don't know so once once Tech made it a game and it was clear by the end of the first by the end of the first half suddenly it was only a one-point game that it was going to be one of those stupid college football games kind of a calm sort of went over me where I was like hey this is just is what it is the ending of this game is going to be stupid. The second half is going to be stupid. It is what it is. Like, we'll kind of worry about the future after the game. And, yeah, obviously, man, there's just a lot lot of issues. And I think just with the way that they've lost the games this season, it's pretty easy to point directly at the coaching staff because there's clearly a lot of game management issues going on. There's clearly a lot of issues with not understanding the flow of the game, the urgency of the game. There's a mismatch in offensive and defensive identities. Um, you know, Brent Venables has said all of the right things. He's, re- he's recruited really well up to this point. 
Um, it seems like he's made a lot of good changes internally inside those walls. But man, when they when they when they strap it on on Saturday and they go out there, they just look like they, they just look like a discombobulated mess. And I don't know what I don't know where to go with that other than to say, starting next season or starting with this bull prep, man, the coaching staff needs to be a lot better. Brent Venables needs to be really introspective. He really needs to try to understand what has gone wrong. Because, hey, I mean, this is this is this is now the worst OU football team I've really seen in my sentient lifetime. And when I watch the players on the field, it's not like it's the best players that OU has ever had in these these twenty some odd years I've been following them. But those aren't the players of a six and six team either. And I think that's on the shoulders of the coaching staff. And man, they really need to figure out where the disconnect is because it's obvious there's lots of it when you watch the product on Saturday. Yeah, you know, maybe during the the time between the bowl game or even after the bowl game or whatever, I I do want to maybe one of the one of our episodes can be about I was thinking about this last night you know, how many new head coaches there have been around college football or, or you know coaches changing teams or whatever and you know a, a big theme of this podcast and, and you know, probably a lot of OU f- fandom and the media that we've talked about at least is that like the way this team has been put together like going into this year there's a reason why the expectations were so high it, this roster is not a roster that should be six and six. And how many other coaches out there could have come in to this situation at Oklahoma and done better than six and six? I, there's there's got to be – I mean, again, the easy one is Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes comes into TCU. TCU's on its way to the playoff, potentially. And TCU was not a good football team last year. So that's, that's the easy one in the Big 12 to, to cite, and there might be more out there of, man, I, who could have done more with this, with this roster? And you look at it, 6-6 uh, you know, six and six is the, the final record of the regular season, but three, you know, Oklahoma's last three losses, Grant, have all been by three points. So those are games they could have won, go different direction. Oklahoma has nine wins right now instead of six. Heck, I was texting you and Brady Trantham last night, Really, there's only two games where Oklahoma had no chance, really, and, and it was TCU and Texas. Other than that, Oklahoma was, was in every single game and could have won every single game. And now, you know, this discussion, this the way we're, I'm, I'm bringing this up, this is what losing teams talk about. This is how losing teams discuss things because Oklahoma didn't win the games. They lost. Because they were losers this year for the most part. Uh, well, not for the most part because they're 6-6. Six and six. Uh, But, I mean, if you do want to look at things, uh, you know, glass half full, they were in 10 of 12 games, in a, in a weird way, things go a different way. Oklahoma could be 10-2. and two. And I was just thinking about this a second ago as you were talking. I, I don't know how relevant this is or how fair this is, but you think back to last year. And we talked about how weird last season was. And even though Oklahoma was winning a bunch of games, they, they could have lost a lot of games. They just weren't playing very well. And the schedule wasn't all that great. It makes me think if this staff, was coaching last year's OU team. OU was what eleven and two last year. Is last year's OU team seven and five in the regular season? Like they just don't clearly for whatever reason. Lincoln Riley and his staff they could they could win those tight games against maybe not great competition. Whereas this team this season they don't know how to win close games. They they couldn't figure it out. And a lot of that I I, I don't know. I mean opinion, I think that's. See, that's where I, that's where I think you can, we, we can get into trouble because, I mean, those are just kind of hypotheticals. Those are hindsight things that are difficult. I don't really know. I mean, if, if you really want to kind of play that game, that thought exercise, I would say maybe the biggest difference is that 
Last season, there was a Nick Benito or an Isaiah Thomas that would make a play when they really needed to. Guys who were more athletic and just straight up better than the dudes across from them. I don't. They don't really have anyone in the front seven this year on, on defense like that. And then, of course, last year, Caleb Williams would, especially in the second half of the season, would get them out of a lot of trouble with, with his legs. Um, and then in the games where he didn't play well, it was kind of the aforementioned Benito and Thomas who would, who would make a play when they needed to. They don't really have those guys this year. But also, I don't think that they needed those guys this year to win those four close games. They, they didn't. It, it, it could have just yeah. taken a different decision here. Especially the uh, last being, three. Being a little bit more patient here. That's really what it takes. That's why I, I really do feel like, and especially I, I really want to focus on the last four games of the season. Because OU had no business losing you know, as many of those games as they did. They, they really, really didn't. And I, I, I think it does come down to coaching decisions in the moment, um, pace of play not matching up again with the urgency of the game, the, you know, not playing that complimentary football. It's all of those things coming together at once to create like these, these really close losses. And they just, for whatever reason, they just can't put it together for an entire, for an entire game. And really for the last, for the last three of the last four games, it's been the first 25 minutes of the game. They come out and they're just taking it to the opposition. It, it, it seems like it looks like they're exactly who we thought they were going to be. And then when the game gets away from the script, they crumble. What does that tell you? I mean, that tells you that the coaching staff just doesn't have a very good feel for the game, right? Something like that, yeah. And, and the main ones I want to focus on as well, to your point, I'm with you. You know, the last three losses, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech, all by three points. And every single one of them, we come on this podcast afterwards, and there's obvious reasons why they didn't win the game. And, you know, you and I weren't as apoplectic after the Baylor game because, in our minds, the game was lost in the first half by the mistakes made by the offense. Too many turnovers. Uh, not taking advantage. I mean, uh, a fourth and one Wildcat decision, which, by the way, up until Braden Willis's Wildcat run last night that was done out of desperation because Dylan Gabriel couldn't be in the game, that was the last time we saw the Wildcat. And I, you know, I'm going to harp on that again. I, I'm still just blown away that we're not seeing that more and that's uh, but and yeah, I, so, I want to go I'm sorry I want to go back to that Marcus Major Wildcat thing again because that that goes into the broader point that's another example Lee of, of of a situation where if you take your time you think about it get into the right play that's not a mistake that you make right that is a complete product there of the mismatch with tempo and urgency and identity that's exactly what that is although I Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I could have swore that scenario. I feel like they subbed in Marcus Major, or, and they took their time on that and still decided to do it. Maybe I'm wrong about that. but uh, uh, So, yeah, it's, it's just there's instances in the last three losses. Again, Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Different decisions are made. Plays are made. Maybe it's better coaching. Oklahoma wins those games and are 9-3 and three right now, and the tone of all this is totally different. Sure, maybe the you know the the defense gave up too many points against Texas Tech, but hey, you know what? You get, you get out of there, you, you learn how to win a game. Uh, and Oklahoma's nine and three right now. We're certainly feeling a different way. But the thing is, they lose those three games, and to your like you said, they didn't really need a Nick Benito or an Isaiah Thomas or a Perion Winfrey or even a Caleb Williams to win those games because they had the guys to do it. They just made mistakes in those games and made poor decisions or they weren't properly prepared. And 
I guess we could take that to, to move into what we saw last night where you brought it up a second ago. They started so well. They started great against Texas Tech. And you know what my thought was? The opening kickoff, Texas Tech. It, it looks like Oklahoma's not ready. Like, uh-oh, here we go. A big kickoff return. But then Oklahoma makes a play on the, the first snap of the game. Jordan Kelly gets in the backfield, forces a fumble. Ethan Downs recovers the fumble. The offense goes down. Scores a touchdown on a fourth down. Really nice fourth down call. You know, third and short, Oklahoma couldn't convert. But Jeff Levy dialed up a really nice play on fourth down and two. A nice shot play to Marvin Mims. Oklahoma scores a touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, they are ready to play. They do want to be here. Good. And they, they get to the point where Oklahoma's up 17 to nothing. And my thought was like, good. Like, they actually do want to win this game. They're showing up for, for everybody. They want to end the regular season on a high note on the road. And they couldn't put Texas Tech out of its misery. I mean, Texas Tech didn't seem like it really wanted to be there for the first few series, similar to Oklahoma State. And when they were up 17 to to nothing, it should have been 20 to nothing or 24 to nothing. And so, yeah, I mean, you you want to get it. Yeah, I mean, you kick the field goal there instead of the fake field goal. I didn't really mind the fake field goal. Yeah, I I, I didn't mind it either because it would have worked. but at the same time, I think there is an argument to be made there. You're at that at to that point in time, they're dominating that game, up fourteen to nothing at the time. What's what's the problem with 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 making it a three score game and retaining the momentum? Instead, you know, you're that, that's what the risk is there that you you don't get yeah. it. But also at the same time, the reward is that you even get more of a momentum swing if you get it there, or even score a touchdown, and then that's that's you know, but. Yeah, that, that's another thing where sort of the momentum of the game just did not go in their direction. And I, yeah, it's, it's reasonable to question whether or not that's, a, that's the best risk in, in that exact moment. But it didn't really matter because they still were able to, they got to stop right after that anyway. They got up 17 to nothing. They were up 24 to six, like I said, with two minutes or with six minutes to go in the, mm-hmm. in the second quarter. So they, they were still in control of the game. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, and, and my main thought of like why I didn't mind them going for the fake there is, you're on the road. Your team has displayed and showed you so far in that game that they want to be there. They're working hard. They're playing well. The defense is playing well. You're 6-5, and five, and it was a total spot where Texas Tech was definitely not expecting a fake. Call a fun play. You guys practiced it. Like, reward your guys. Call like, And if Braden Willis catches the ball, I don't know. Maybe he scores. I, I, I kind of think maybe he would have gotten dragged down from behind because Dadrian Taylor was right on his tail. And Braden Willis isn't very fast, so it's a matter of strength. Like, can, can Braden Willis maybe push forward enough to get eight yards? I don't know, but he should have caught the ball. He didn't. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, though. No harm, no foul. The defense came out there and got a stop because the defense was playing well early in the game, and they got up 17 nothing. They got up 24-6. to But uh, the, the part where they got up 17 nothing, it should have been 21 to nothing, and that's a perfect example of the, the offensive strategy and how the tempo – made them or led to them to not get points on the board was that Grant. the was that the uh was that the opi on weiss that yeah took the touchdown off the board that was the, the, uh the, the, i'm i'm well, of two and, minds on that one that, that that was a really soft opi but also theo you don't need to make contact with the guy yeah but uh, you and you forget though before the opi there was another penalty that wiped a touchdown off the board and that was the issue wait which one was that my notes Okay, so here's how, here's how it went down. Uh, they were moving the ball pretty well. It, it was after, Remember when Dylan Gabriel, he scrambled, got tackled, and pushed out of bounds and, got, and was roughed out of bounds? Flag. 
So OU gets the football all the way down inside the 10 to the 9-yard line. And so OU's first and goal from the 9. And this is the sequence here that's maddening to me because they're, they're on the left hash, and there's on first and goal. Hold on, I'm sorry. Look at my notes here. They, uh, Tech is not fooled. They do run action to the right, to the field side, but then they swing a pass out to Braden Willis to the boundary, the short side of the field. Tech is not fooled. They tackle him after a three-yard gain. So now it's second down and goal from the six. They're still on that left hash. Now they run the ball with Eric Gray to the boundary, to the short side of the field again, and Eric Gray doesn't have much room to work with. Tech's got plenty of defenders there. Eric Gray only gets two yards. So now you've run back-to-back plays to the short side of the field inside the 10-yard line. That's only five yards on two snaps. Now it's third down and goal. And this is the play here where the, the tempo style, it costs them a touchdown. And you could make the argument that this is mostly actually on Dylan Gabriel, but they're getting to the line. They're going kind of quick, like they always do. And Dylan Gabriel doesn't notice that all of his linemen are set. He asked for the snap before Anton Harrison gets into his set. He takes the snap. Harrison wasn't set. Flag comes out, throws it out to Theo Weiss to the boundary side. Theo Weiss catches it, walks in, easy touchdown. It's a flag. He wasn't set. They called false start. It should have been a legal procedure because he wasn't set. That wipes that off the board, backs him up. Then is the pick play that gets wiped off, OPI, which also, yes, I agree. It was a soft play, but that's just attention to detail. If you're a receiver there, you're Theo Weiss, you don't need to make any sort of con- – just run a route. Don't even act like a defender is there like you always do when you're running routes. You're trying to get away from people and try to get open. Just do that. Any sort of contact or whatever where you make it look like it might be happening, they're clearly going to call it. It's like – maybe a point of emphasis and maybe not even just college but the nfl and that's now twice we've seen it what was it west virginia the other one where it, it was either on theo or it was on willis for not being behind the line of scrimmage. i mean points being wiped off the board because of lack of attention to detail and that's on the players and that's on the coaching staff that's on coaching and so twice touchdowns are wiped off the board they get you know, they settle for a field goal it's 17 to nothing instead of 21 to nothing and it's just Again, the, 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 the tempo thing where they, Anton Harrison wasn't set, the ball was snapped, easy touchdown, wiped off the board. That's, that's all that would never happen if they weren't so obsessed with always running the ball fast, 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 up to the line, snap, 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 snap. Correct. That's a hey, good takes, Lee. I, like, really, really good. That, was, uh, that harkens back to the old uh, film time with Lee days. That was really good. Well, it, because you're right. That's 100%. And, and go and back I, and watch it. I mean, but, yeah, go back I, and watch the situation. Because you just confirmed my priors 100% there. You're right. That The, the Theo Weiss walk-in touchdown, the, the Anton Harrison procedure penalty, I'd forgotten about that in the haze of them going so fast all of the time. And that is a thing and that I happens it, entirely, 100%, because they are obsessed. Their number one priority is trying to catch the defense off guard by going so fast. Not being precise and getting into the right play. That's a really large issue. That needs to change yesterday, two weeks ago, six months ago. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Jeff Levy would probably say Dylan's got to be aware. He's got to make sure that everybody is set there. And, and he's right. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's got to make sure everyone's set. But here's the thing is you, you do that, and I, I get that. They pra- that's their offense. They practice it every single day. So it's second nature. But to what we've been saying all season long, it opens you up to potential issues potential problems there was no need to snap that so quickly they finally ran a play to the the field side and it was an easy touchdown because they had plenty of room to work with 
it's almost like I wouldn't be surprised if Levy almost set that up. He's like, you know, what? we're going to see if we can score here to the short side of the field. Maybe we're going to catch Tech off guard on one of these snaps to the short side of the field and punch in a touchdown. If that doesn't work, I have this third down call where I'm going to swing it out with all this running room, all this space, all these blockers for Theo Weiss. It's going to work. And it did work. I don't know if that's what he was thinking. It did work. The problem was they went too fast and they snapped it and they committed a penalty. It's dumb. And honestly, like, we look at it, it's, it's a lot bigger of a deal right now after the way the game went. But at the time, it still wasn't that big of a deal because they scored and they were dominating the football game. And they were still continuing to dominate the football game. But, like, mistakes like that get heightened when, when you lose a football game. And it gets to the point when and you lose. And that's kind of where they are. And so I think it, it is. And I think, and so I, I know there's a, there's a line of thought right now that, that think, you know, hey, you had 670 yards and they scored 45 points yesterday, or 48 points. I get it. It's, you know, that the game's not entirely on the offense, but when you play in these close games like this, it's it's going to make those small moments appear even brighter. And I think it does absolutely bring up the point of if you can get 670 yards and be so explosive on offense the entire game, why are you so bad in these really, really huge moments where you just got to get these yards and you can't? Why? What's the disconnect? It's a good question. And it to me... I mean, we would it'd have to take an entire year of rewatch to get a, a really good answer on it. I, I think what Jeff Lebby is telling you with his offensive style is that he relies on the tempo and the pace to catch people off guard to cover up for everything else. Because uh, it's, it's a very simple. I mean, you're going to get I mean, that, that's when you get Texas Tech coming up and stopping the run from time to time because they're just probably guessing. Just guessing. Yeah, they're probably going to run the guessing. ball here. They're just selling out. They're, yep. They're, they're, they're going to run inside zone here. Or yeah, that's because that's what they do because they're going so fast. They, they can't they can't make it complicated. They have to just run something very simple. And then you get situations where, oh, you get stopped behind the line of scrimmage or uh, there's a play. Maybe if they would have taken their time and read the defense more, they could have gotten into a better play call. But since Texas Tech is just assuming they're going to run the you know run it quickly, they'll stack the box and they'll be able to stop the run better. And, and these are just th- again, like you need an entire year of a rewatch to assess this. But something tells me that you'd find plenty of opportunities, plenty of points where if they just would have maybe taken their time and not gone so up-tempo, they could have caught or looked at the defense and figured out, oh, they're, they're not doing something here. Maybe we can call a different play that would be more successful. So, I mean, there's so much to talk about. I, I rewatched the first half. It took so long. I couldn't watch the second. I mean, the second half had so many things, too, that I just I know I'm going to miss stuff. You're going to probably miss stuff. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, like what is the... I mean, okay, the big thing, okay, we're on the first half, the, the big thing that's you talk about, hey, up 24 to 6 with 6.25 to go in the second quarter. Okay, Texas Tech goes down. They make it 24 to 13. Uh, a, a big issue that was cropping up in the first half, and I'm going to guess it probably cropped up a lot in the second half, is that Texas Tech, when, the, when their offense finally started getting it going, Oklahoma could not set the edge. They could not keep contain on the, against the run game. And Texas Tech continually was able to bust runs outside and pick up chunk yardage and after the game Brent Venables was talking about that uh he he said they were in control of the game until the second quarter and in his mind he said it was all in the run game because he looks at the defense he scored uh let's see I'm trying to there was a part where he said that they were here we go he says in the run game there was at least four different times when we've got to leverage the ball. He said we've got a call where we need to turn the ball back inside. The first edge player has to turn the ball back inside and at least four times we didn't do that. It helped them get into rhythm and, and, and that you know if you're not in rhythm it's harder to play defense. 
If he's just talking sim- simply just running plays where they didn't turn people back inside, it was way more than just four times. I'll tell you that. It was a lot more than just four times, unless he's speaking more specifically about particular plays. But they, they lost the edge or didn't even contain so much just in the first half. I don't know if – I can't remember if they made any adjustments after halftime, but that was a huge issue, and that allowed Texas Tech to finally get going offensively uh, whenever they were down 24-6. to Do you have any memories of any of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember them getting washed out quite a bit. They, they really – I mean, Texas Tech really didn't run the ball that well. Um, like, Sir Roderick Thompson only yeah, had, statistically, only had they were 88 under four yards, yards on, like, carry. 25 carries. So – um, I, but yeah, but, th- but there, there were, there were like some big plays where in instances where tech had to have it, OU just blew it, just wasn't able to set the edge. Um, I, I'm more concerned, uh, just with the, the, the big thing to me watching the game live yesterday is when, when, when tech went on their big 42 to 21 run to end the game, starting at six minutes to go in the second was just OU's utter lack of athleticism in the front seven. They don't really have any. The most glaring examples I, you know, I saw during this game uh, were, were David Igwebu and Reggie Grimes. To be honest with you, there there were numerous occasions, probably uh, probably not as many as as I'm thinking in my head right now, where I I just thought in my head, man, an, an average Division One linebacker cleans this play up, and it's just it's no problem whatsoever. But David Igwebu is there, and it, it turns into like an explosive play, or it turns into a really big third down gain. Or, or it turns into what should have been a TFL, turns into an explosive play. I saw Reggie Grimes on, on the short side of the field on two or three occasions uh, trying to chase down Tyler Shuck, and Shuck's able to get around him on the short side of the field and pick up first downs when you just can't have that. You, you, your, your defensive end has to be able to, to run down a, a non-running quarterback. Uh, it's, I don't know, man. They're just, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues there. And the funny thing is, they still shouldn't be as bad as they were this year. I mean, that's the it's it's crazy how their record and all of the issues and the close games and the really, really big time moments just magnifies everything and shows you where they come up short as a program. And it's uh it's illuminating. It's it's crazy, man. Like I there I there there were a lot of times during that game last night where I was seeing myself Gosh, man! If they just had they just had an undersized middle linebacker who just can kind of run around and just make the 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 easy normal plays, man, they would they would have been so much better. They would have won that game easily last night. Hell, if Billy Bowman would have just played an average game, they would have won last night. Oh, just man, uh, a side swipe at Billy, who did not play well. He was the and that's like I I I thought him and David Igwebu were by far the two worst players on the defense last night. Billy Bowman was atrocious last night. Like, as I mean, one of the worst performances of any starting defender who played a lot of snaps all season. For the first time since he's returned from injury, his like, it looked like he was limit, like he couldn't move as well. For he was not reason. moving like his, well. Yeah, on his the, angles weren't good. He was coming up trying to make tackles, but he got any burned sort on of the movement. The long touchdown he gave up. He did not. He didn't look like he was running well. Which is weird because there's been time since then, so you think he'd only be stronger and stronger. But yeah, that was not his he best. He looked night. really athletic last week. He looked like he was moving well last week. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple. I sent you a couple videos in the first half of David Aguebu just lazy, just not really identifying plays. Or is like, he just one play? He looked kind of lazy. Or is like, he, he just, so unathletic not, that he just looks lazy? I don't know. I, he 
he just isn't the big story (laughs) as far as his perspective in August was he lost a bunch of weight and was faster. Well, either that was all BS or he's put that weight back on and he's gotten slow again. Yeah, that dude, that dude runs a five one forty. He's definitely in the fives. It's just, it's not good. Uh, It's, it's, he just, he's, and whenever time you see him in open space and he's tasked with making a tackle, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm a he's huge. Just, he's, he's, he's he's in a bad spot. Here's here's a here's one first suggestion of a long list of them going into 2023. You gotta find in the transfer portal, find a like a three or four year starter middle linebacker and get him in here. Get, just you got to have got to. Well, and then wait, but we're gonna probably have to wait until the middle of October though to see him play snaps because CJ Colden came in, you know, and it took him a while to, for him to get. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't I guess yeah. I mean that you're just making me <laughs> sad there, but I mean you, you agree with that, right? They got to get someone else, and like if if you can't, like I, I remember there was a dude I can't remember where he ended up going, but there was a guy from like Central Michigan who was in the portal last year who was like a two time All Mac guy. And I just I, I really wanted OU to go after him because I thought and something like that. They they really need something like that. They just need a little more athleticism. And let's not let's not. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Like Danny Stutzman's not some freak athlete either. He's not. I mean, he's he's not. And so, we were all excited about and, him, but he's he obviously does not move as well as we would like to think he does out there. So it's like we're not gonna put it all on David Agwebu. And it's just, it kind of makes you wonder, obviously, TD Roof not being available all year, we're never going to know how valuable he was, but uh, based off of fall camp and spring or whatever, I mean, it sounded like he was a guy that was going to get some snaps. Well, now we're 12 games into it, and uh, his absence, I think at least, you think, well, it would have been nice to see what he could have done. He's a veteran player. He's basically what you just described, a veteran player, uh, kind of an undersized linebacker that's played a lot of snaps. Who knows if he could have been of help. Uh, and then it's just, it makes me wonder, we were talking about this before the podcast, you got these other freshman linebackers that just, with the exception of Jaron Kanick, who kind of played here and there, that it, it just, none of these guys could figure out a way to get on the field just to see if they could do something. And I know that I listened to Gabe Eichert and Teddy Lehman's podcast every once in a while, and I think Teddy was kind of ranting on that maybe the last week or two about, you know, fans will want the young guys to play. And then he, he I think he used some example from, maybe the West Virginia game or something to maybe young guys playing or no, I think it was uh yeah, it was the, um, uh, what's the, the defensive lineman, the freshman defensive who uh, went off sides on the CJ Colden uh, Hulton, interception. Uh, Grayson. Oh yeah. I, I think he, yeah, I think that's, he used that as an example of, Hey, you know, all these fans want young guys to play. And then, you know, that's what can happen. You know, they can make mistakes, but and, like, he's not wrong about that, but I don't think it's one of those things where you can get super worked up about because when you're a team that's lost a bunch of games, it's like at some point, What's the harm in trying something unless maybe Teddy's point was like, hey, they're seeing these guys in practice. They know they're not any good. So that's why they're not playing, which could be the case. Maybe that's why. You, you, I mean, you keep hearing about how Jaron Canick's still learning how to play the position. And then we never even really saw Kobe McKenzie or Kip Lewis at all this year. Uh, so is that just because they don't know what they're doing? They're so young, which is probably the case. Or is it how much of it is just like, you know what? We don't trust these guys. Uh, we're going to go seniority. We're gonna, we have Stutzen. We have Aguebu. And that's, that's what we got. You know, and there was never any thought to obviously move Deshaun White back to linebacker. He was the cheetah. That's his thing. And, and he, for the most part, played well this year. Although I wish he would have had an interception last night, uh, which got his hands on a ball uh, right after Marvin Mims's long, wide open touchdown to make it 24 to six. The first snap, uh, Deshaun White got his hands on a ball that 
I don't know, man. Like he he makes an interception there. Who knows how far he returns it? Oh, they they dropped Maybe, they, they dropped another three interceptions last night. Key Lawrence probably had all. I mean, by himself had another three. I mean that's that's per usual per game though. Yeah. So uh, special teams in the first half again. I, I I'm, it's fresh in my mind that it's a small thing, but also kind of a big thing because it might have helped Texas Tech get some yards. The fair catch stuff on the kickoff balls hitting the ground, calling for fair catches, which makes it to where Oklahoma has to start the their drives inside the 10-yard line on one of them, go three and out. Uh, Tawi Walker dropped one, so they started early. It's just kind of small things, attention to detail, that hurt them. Uh, another small thing that just uh, it's on the top of my head because I just rewatched the first half. You know, They go and they review the Theo Weiss third down convert. By the way, they converted a third and long. Theo Weiss, by the way, hadn't mentioned him yet, had a good game. Welcome back. Good to see best, Theo Weiss do like, something. I'm going to say this. This is not even controversial at all. I think it's obvious. That's the best game of his career. On, mm. on and maybe and and yeah. probably the last regular season game he ever plays for the program in a six and five season. It'd be between that and 2020 Texas. He was really good in 2020 Texas. Yeah, but he didn't. Really he didn't have over a hundred yards in that game, and he didn't score two touchdowns. One of which was a mossing. Both of and and the other was a contested long. I mean. He looks sure. ex- stats wise. It's exactly yeah, I mean, like that's it's just frustrating. And like I'm happy. I'm happy that Theo played well. And he even had a he had a quote after the game where he was talking about how how much he believes in Venables and how much he how much he like the entire locker room believes in him. Whatever. So even then, man, like it's that's exactly what we saw from Theo Weiss last night is kind of what we expected to get from him for the last four years. And we didn't see it once until, <laughs> until probably his last regular season game ever in that uniform in a six and five season. It's just ironic, is all. Yeah, I mean stats wise, sure. Yeah, that was best. But I mean, I think back to that twenty twenty Texas game. It was a while ago now, but I remember him. He had a lot of really big contested like third down catches and traffic. Yeah, he, he, I think he did. In, the, in, he in made, overtime, he, he had the two big point conversion. That. Ca- but like so, this game last night, those were two of his three best plays in his entire career. Yes. Yeah, no. It, the other I one being the, the touchdown he scored at Baylor his freshman year. Oh yeah, that was that was one of his best. Yeah, that was yeah, his play, his three sure. biggest plays that touchdown and his two touchdowns last night of his career. So, what I was getting at though, again, like third and eleven, they converted it, uh, and Theo came back for the football and made a catch near the sideline. A totally unnecessary replay review, just totally unne- like no reason to review that. And I bring that up because then later in the second quarter was whatever. After Oklahoma calls for a fair catch, hits the ground, they're starting inside their own 10. Javante Barnes is in the game. OU goes three and out. And this was after, I think it was 24 to 13. And they go three and out, but on third and long, they hand it to Javante Barnes. He gets hit. He kind of lunges forward, gets close to the first down. I think he was probably about a half yard short, but no measurement, no call for a replay review there. Just... I, I don't know if Brent Venables can that say, on, hey, can we? That's Venables. That's, that was 100% like, can you say, on Venables. Hey, can we measure? So no, nothing. Nothing. And like, you, you the, call, there wasn't I, really a good replay. And they even let, like, they even actually let the play clock roll down before Turk punted, too. Probably. Right. But Venables in that situation, call timeout, dude. Call a timeout. That was a really important play of the game. You're up by double digits. You're giving the ball back to them. You may have just picked up a first down. I don't even know if you like. I maybe it, it's not true. I, I always kind of had the idea. I, I thought that coaches could ask refs for a measurement. I, 
Maybe that's not a rule anymore. Maybe that's not a thing because like that's almost like a free timeout. Like, hey, it's close. Can we can we measure? But there's also like, maybe the something maybe the like ref can overrule it. When they got stopped on fourth down, the little like on on third down, I'm pretty like I was pretty certain that Eric Gray in the second half picked up the first down on third down, and they gave him a really bad spot. And OU instead of taking their time and maybe they would look at it, they went freaking warp speed and they turned it over on downs. Yes, that's a, okay. So this is a second. Yeah, that's another thing is. So, so maybe there's something there where, and he wasn't asked about that at all in the post game. Venables wasn't. I, like, why isn't that an automatic replay review? I mean, the Theo Weiss thing, I spot of ball is not like automatic. Like, that's that's kind of why I brought up the Theo Weiss. It's like totally unnecessary. He didn't need to do it. I thought they were maybe reviewing. Oh, did he step out of bounds before and it was illegal touching? No, like it sounded like it seemed like they were trying to see if he was in bounds. He was always in bounds. So my thing is like, again, and also, can you ask for a measurement? So that's just, it's a small thing in the game. But again, when you, you lose a game by three points, stuff like that gets, gets uh, I don't know, heightened. You think about it more. And you bring up the second half one where Oklahoma turned the ball over and downs. That was, yeah, very similar. It's where it's just like, what? Can there not be a review here? I, I don't. I and don't that know. was a situation too where Texas Tech, it was fourth down. OU was going really quick. And it was obvious Texas Tech's players were just like, we're just going to guess that they're going to run inside zone here. And they did. And literally everyone just converged on the line of scrimmage. It was a situation where if OU would have taken their time a little bit, take five more seconds, take five more seconds, run a, just, a li- just a little fake, and then flip it out to a wide open wide receiver. Because that's exactly what would have happened. And so this is kind of, I think you kind of hinted at it before. I mean, Oklahoma scores... 48 points, uh, 600, what, 50 yards of off. I mean, Dylan Gabriel has a really nice game. Best game, best game uh, of the season for Dylan Gabriel. I think, I mean, like, I think it was yeah. clearly his best game throwing the forward pass this year. See, the, these, the stats are, are great, and yet these, these moments in the game where you see these mind-boggling, eye-popping numbers, and what you said a little bit earlier in the show is like, but why in these certain situations where you need a couple yards, it seems so difficult? Help Dylan Gabriel out. Just I please stop. This this is all game management stuff. This is this is one hundred percent game management crap. OU is in control of this game, and when you're in control, they refused to change the script whatsoever. They just wanted to keep going, going, going. And you open up and like so we know who Dylan Gabriel is. That was by far his best game last season, but he still had the glitches that have been present in every single game this year. It just shouldn't have mattered because his good in the game really did outweigh any of like the three or four glitches that he had. And he played he played well enough for OU to win that game by four touchdowns. And it was on the coaching staff not managing the game that let him down. You just can't keep I just, eh, I'm getting frustrated again. There, there, it, it, it is who they are, whatever. And, and because I don't have the second half fresh in my mind like the first half, uh, I'll probably jump around and stuff. But uh, another example of, you know, again, a, a great night for Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Marvin Mims played really well. Good for Marvin Mims. Uh, he got him over he, a thousand a, yards what? in the regular season. Okay. He might, I, uh, you know, this is, he might, um, he might be second in the Big 12 in receiving behind Hutchinson. Interesting. And he's had some stinkers, too. That just kind of gives you an idea of what he, I mean, certain games where he's had you know, huge performances. But what I was getting at, though, is, you know, these big stats. Eric Gray had a good game as well. I mean, offensively, there's a lot of good stuff. And yet, a moment in the game where the offense would have loved to be explosive and really good and efficient, they weren't. And it was after the C.J. Colden interception in the fourth quarter. 
They didn't even get a first down. No first down and had to settle for a field goal to take the lead. Whereas you, you got to go and you got to score a touchdown there. You got to put the ball in the end zone there. And yet this offensive great performance all night when they when they really needed a touchdown, they didn't get it. That's, and the, that's just another example. Yeah. That's the disconnect. Mm-hmm. That is the disconnect. That's where the pace of play, the style of defense that Brent Venables wants to play, that's where the mismatch is. And then when you do it, when it happens, when there's three and a half minutes to go in the game, everything is 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 magnified. And it's just it's just another issue with the mismatch and what's going on right now. And Brent Venables has got to be self aware of it and he's got to make some adjustments. And I, you know. I think I think an easy the easiest thing to do right now is to force Jeff Levy to adjust the tempo. I, I that's not going to be the magic. It, it's not going to be like a magic bullet. It will not. But it's going to go a long way, man. Take more time off the clock. Get your defense off the field more. It's just I a small little tweak. That's all it is. Yeah, I'm going back and I'm watching that series. So. After the Colton interception, by the way, great play by C.J. Colton. He's a, he's a guy that you've called for. I mean, on you, Grant, I mean, from the beginning, whenever he came to OU and you, you were asking in, in the summer, you know, where's C.J. Colton? What's his deal? Where is he? Why is he playing? I mean, he's turned out to be maybe the biggest playmaker on the defense because he's the only guy really making plays. I mean, Billy Bowman had a really great pick last week. I gave him a lot of praise. Uh, but other than that, there's not really anybody – that's consistent. I mean, he's what a team lead. I think he has four picks now, and he hasn't even played the whole year. And so makes a nice play. And so they get the ball. Oklahoma gets the ball first and ten at the tech thirty-two yep. with five five eighteen to go. And, and I'm sorry, a, that's that's a situation yeah. where you gotta that's a situation where you wanna try to run some clock. I I it's one thing. You either take a shot on that very first play, you try to score. That's what I would have done probably. Or you are in you're in four minute mode there. You are in I'm trying to take off as much clock as I possibly can, and I'm scoring a freaking touchdown. That's what we're doing. Hundred percent. Instead, nope. They just did what they what they do. They just ran their offense. It, what what they do? They ran two crappy plays to start. Picked up like three yards to start, and so and they only burned like twenty seconds off the clock. And so now there you go. It's third and seven, third and long. The part where they've sucked all season long. Only ran twenty seconds off the clock. I mean, do you have it in front of you? Because that's, that's a pretty darn good description of what happened. I was gonna, So they, the first snap on first down with the clock stopped, obviously first and 10, was at 518, and it was a uh, you know, little, little pull, little three-yard run from Eric Gray. You want to guess what time the clock said that on the, the second down snap happened? No, I don't want to <laughs> guess. No, I – yeah, uh, 458, 20 seconds later. They snapped it with 30 seconds left on the play clock. And it was a pass play that looked like a miscommunication, and it was incomplete. So the clock stopped. So on second and seven, I'm, I'm watching it live. This is whenever uh, everything was open, and of course, like, they dumped it down to, to Eric Gray, who could not break a tackle, and he was stopped. Man, don't, don't even get me freaking started on those swing passes to the boundary that are awful. So awful. They're Awful. That's that a swing pass to the boundary is the worst play call in football. Man, I'm watching this back. If Dylan Gabriel would have directed traffic here and just kind of been like, oh, Eric, go to your go to your left because there's nobody there. You'll have more room to run when I pass it to you. I mean, there probably wasn't time to do that. But yeah, this is an example of, you know, Texas Tech made a nice open field tackle. They stopped him. uh, And 
obviously the clock goes down. OU probably takes off, what, a minute 10 off the clock? Yeah. Field goal up and good. There's 4.04 to go. So they had the ball I, I wanna, for a minute and 14. Can I – I mean, can I, can I step in here too because I – and I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this. I really hated the decision to kick a field goal there. Um, I, I really think Brent Venables should not escape criticism from that because I, I think it's another example of him not having a very good feel for the game. That means him kicking a field goal there means that he was totally comfortable with putting his defense out there that since that you know since 625 in the second quarter had been a total sieve, had been awful, had been giving up... Uh, have been giving up explosive play after explosive play, and we're only two we're only two uh, weeks removed from West Virginia able to to you know drive down and score while while running all of the clock off, and that like wasn't fresh in his mind. And they had six hundred and seventy yards of offense before that. Well, but like I, also, I didn't think but, much of but it, but also because... at the same time, it's like yeah, if they were going to go for it there, they would have gotten warp speed and they would have gotten stopped, obviously, because Jeff Lebby would have called something stupid, but. That's where it's just like you have to understand in that. I just I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all because what you're doing there, you're putting the game on your defense at that point in time. And I think at that time that they had showed you that that they weren't going to be able to get another stop. Sure, I, I didn't think about that mainly because of how the offense was playing. I mean, it's and also what Venable said earlier in the West Virginia game. I mean, he he told us afterwards. He's like, yeah, I didn't really have confidence in our guy because. All game, we weren't getting short yardage. I didn't have confidence that we could do it there. And, heck, I mean, why, why not throw in another? I'll go back to my Wildcat thing. It's just not a thing. They, they, they used the Wildcat when they absolutely had to because I guess we could talk about that. We could talk about, I don't know if we want to go to overtime already. I don't know. But I mean, I there's don't really so many care. things we probably already skipped. Up. I don't really care about overtime. It, once, that game got, when, once that game went to overtime, it was over. They weren't going to. Oh, well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't okay, over. No, right? that's, like, that's actually, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. It was over. OU starting okay. at the 25? No way. They're not going to be able to score. There's, there, there's too much shrinkage of space. Okay. I mean, sure. I mean, you, it wasn't over, though. I mean, they, they're, they're fine. Like, uh, and honestly, I, I didn't really have much of an issue with that, the trick play call. Like, everyone's like, oh, man, you got Dylan Gabriel killed. And, like, yeah, like, it just that worked out that way. Whatever. They picked up a first down. Uh, what I want to, I mean, like, has, has any OU defensive back made any hits like that all year? Like big bone crunching hits. Uh, there was one, uh, I think that maybe that same player, I can't remember if that was the same guy who hit Gabriel, but who was there? I think Pearson came down in the alley and just stuck. Uh, I can't remember if it was Mims it or was Farouk. Gray. It was Gray. Or was it Gray? Oh, it was Gray, yeah. I mean, just, just a great, but also, I think we were texting, whenever you're so predictable on OU and it's going to be a run, I mean, you can sell out like that from the secondary. And just come up and just, hey, like, okay, worst case scenario is, all right, maybe this is one of the few times they actually do call a deep pass play or something, and maybe I, I, I get burned. But odds are it's probably just going to be a run play, and it was, and the dude made a, just a huge stick. I just, that stood out to me. And also, like, probably did too. and yeah, Texas Tech gambled a lot in this game, and they got freaking burned a lot, too. Yeah. It just, ha it just so yeah. happens, like... They gambled correctly in the right moments, but OU in those are, are, is so incredibly predictable in moments like that. So it's 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 not much of a gamble. Okay, so I we'll just do overtime. So once Gabriel was down, my thought was obviously, oh, here comes Davis Bevel. But also, okay, finally, here comes the Wildcat. They're going to be forced to use the Wildcat, and sure enough, they do. They come out on first down. They run Braden Willis up the gut. 
for three yards. He just powers through. Why Strong. you run Braden Willis and not the Big 12 second leading rusher? I I don't really know. But right, whatever. I don't know because because it, it, yeah, I mean if it was like second and two, sure. But no, they go. And my first thought was like, wow, uh, on fourth and one against Baylor in the first half, instead of Marcus Major taking the snap on Wildcat, how about Braden Willis? Because literally every time against Texas, he fell forward for at least a yard or two, and it's short yardage. Like, and he just proved it there. He just powered through for three yards, and I thought, okay, here we go. But then Dylan Gabriel comes back in on second down, and I don't know. Like, I don't think we saw him throw a pass after that. Was his arm even working? Like, I just I couldn't. I know he said he was good to go, but they didn't even attempt to pass. And how about on third down, them getting a little cute and calling a quarterback draw after the dude just got smoked two plays ago? Oh my god! Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. That that's it's that's that's stupid. When you put it like that, it's really dumb. Hey, people, there was there's a lot of people pointing out that Jeff Levy got Matt Corral killed last year, basically how much he ran him. And we talked about it before on the like in the off season. And, and, and honestly, like, we, like and, I, and I'm watching Levy's offense. It's the way he runs his offense. It's entirely dependent on having a mobile quarterback. I mean, it definitely helps. It, I mean, and, and Gabriel's, he's pretty, I mean, he's, he's mo- more mobile than. But he's a left, I mean, but he's a lefty. So that takes away a lot of his mobility. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. What's I mean, the early in the game? He had a little, he had a little flip pass out to Farouk that would have gone for an explosive play that he just, he just turfed into the ground. And I am certain that that's a, that's a very awkward play for him to make because he is a lefty. Yeah. I mean, you've been on this, you've been on the, well, ever since the last week or so, you've been on the, the lefty hate. Right, it's, I mean, yeah. it's a thing. Go, so go back and rewatch it. Half. Oh, no, no. I, I know exactly what player you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, if, if you reversed it and it was a right-handed quarterback, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we're just so used to seeing right-handers throw. I, I, I don't know. I don't care, really. It's, it's kind of funny because it, it did happen that way. We could go to three-word reviews, and maybe that'll jog, jog our memory of some parts of the game. You want to do that unless you there's something else in the second half you want uh, to yeah, let's, I mean let's, we're, we're, we're probably missing a lot no I'd like to yeah of course it's a it's a game that they lost 51 to 48 that was the that was the score right yes so yeah I mean there's a lot of plays and I'm just I'm upset that they were in total control of the game 25 minutes into it and then they, I mean they just pissed down their leg and just a lot of things going wrong so yeah let's go to the third uh, three word uh, let's, let's wrap this thing up I'm 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 getting. I, I tried to go into this podcast. I was like, eh, I don't want to be super doom and gloom. It just kind of is what it is. But it's a frustrating game. They they make a lot of mistakes that they shouldn't make. All right, let's go to the West of Everest Facebook page. I posted a prompt earlier this morning, and a decent amount of you have replied with your three word reviews. We begin with Tracy. Tracy's got a a pretty good amount. He goes with time management issues, need better talent. And defense failed again. That's the thing, man. The defense, I, I tweeted out Saturday before the game the stats of the, the previous four games defensively versus the, the four games prior when they were getting smoked and they were the worst. Like, statistically, in, in almost every category, the worst defense for, through a four-game stretch in college football and the stunning improvement over the last four games. Granted, the competition wasn't as good. They weren't facing as good of offenses, but it was really impressive improvement particularly in the past, like play to play. And again, that kind of goes back to Oklahoma has to defend so many plays defensively because of the way their offense operates. But unfortunately, they couldn't keep it going against Tech. Well, they did for the first quarter against Tech. 
Uh, and so they reverted back, and the defense looked like – I mean, they gave up 400-plus to Tyler Shuck, career day for him. Uh, like you said, like running defense wasn't that bad, but like in certain spots it was really bad uh, when, when Tech needed it. And, uh, yeah, it's just the defense – Stevens didn't play well. Uh, let's see. Philip on the West of Everest Facebook page. He has multiple three-word reviews. Philip goes, clearly a rebuild. But it shouldn't be, though. That's the thing. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have been a rebuild. I mean, it should have been a, you got enough talent on this roster this year to have a good 2022, but also you want to recruit well, help that with recruiting. And then, yeah, it just kind of keep it going, right? It's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the... To Philip's point, maybe, maybe it is a rebuild. Well, it's clearly a re- it oh, obviously, and, and you're right. It shouldn't be, but I, I I'm weary of of going into you know should and shouldn't because I don't know, man. That's not reality. That that is where we are. Reality is this is obviously a rebuild. So Phillips keeping things positive. He but says also, give it time. But also, I'm concerned because I, I do think the main problem right now is just not making the correct decisions in game a lot of the time uh, on the coaching staff and and obviously you know players sort of like you know you know continuously messing up and like the biggest moments as well is a, is a big thing as well but that's all that stuff is connected yeah speaking of that we didn't talk about Javante Barnes's drop on the first drive of the third quarter which uh, would have been an explosive play I very I don't think we've ever seen Javante Barnes targeted that far down the field all year if, if not I'm not I'm sure he's gotten like caught a pass before uh, but that hurt them because Oklahoma ended up turning the ball over on downs on that possession. He catches that pass, and they're in the red zone. Who knows? Maybe he scores. I don't know. I mean, I so just wanted to bring that up as far as, like, it's, you know, yes, we give a lot of a lot of uh, criticism to the coaching staff, but also, again, like, the players need to play better as well. Uh, and uh, you mentioned, like, a lot of in-game stuff. What was the, my big question mark coming into the year? Like, Brent Venables, he's got all this – this great background. His resume is fantastic. We just don't know what he's like as a head coach on game day. Well, uh, there's some evidence, and his offensive coordinator and not really helping him out much. Uh, but both of them, man, it's there's there's things that stand out. Seems like seem like every single game where you're just this needs to be better. Venables needs to, yeah. I mean, he he need, like I said, he needs to be very self aware. First. <laughs> I first step and this is yeah this is me confirming my priors first step is is realizing the mismatch in identity and that the tempo has got to change we cannot go into 2023 doing that same thing just can't do it mm-hmm. uh, more from Philip he says don't overreact Shane has a few Shane says one quarter wonders <laughs> the game was only a quarter long it would have been pretty good for OU uh, mercifully over with and refs win again. Yeah, I, I mean the refs didn't lose Oklahoma the game last night, but it. I don't know. I mean, they, I really would have liked PI to, that was. Mi- yeah, yeah, the PI on Far- is awful on Peru uh, with Farouk that missed one right in front of the official. Awful. I, I just I I think they scored on that drive, so it didn't really matter. But still, just awful. Yeah, they did. Um, I'm trying to think of there was some ones you know I I that that first one where uh, what's his name came up and stuck Gray in the hole. I'm really surprised that didn't get stopped for a targeting review. Like, really surprised. I know that, like, I know his head was up and he wasn't leading with his helmet, but I thought any sort of forceful contact with the head or neck area is um is automatically reviewed. And the dude, the dude put his helmet, dude put his face right into Eric Gray's face about as hard as you possibly can. I think that was technically targeting. 
and that it wasn't even stops for a review. Stuff like that is just, is just kind of frustrating. And I would like some clarity on when play can be stopped for replay review, especially particularly when it comes to spot of ball. Maybe again, I should know this. That's that's on me. I, I should have looked this up. But and also just a couple I, of times in the game where OU was so close and they didn't stop. Yeah. And there was also a, I, on the even on, you know the late hit on Gabriel out of bounds. Um, that was still early in the game. The guy who was right there and saw it didn't throw the flag. A guy like twenty yards yeah. away. Fl- so <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it took forever for that flag to come out. Yeah. Chris says it's finally over. <laughs> no, it didn't. They got a bowl game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a lot of people are acting like the season's over. Like, no, they still got a bowl game to play. Michael says hard to believe. Brent, the guy question mark and his last one is next year worse all fa- i mean i think there's fair at this point man I, yeah i i think there's legitimate question of that you know especially in the last you know the the th- you know three of their losses there at the end so you know the baylor west virginia and texas tech games that three of those losses transpired in really similar ways has got to be concerning Oh, and, and also, yeah. we, we, we can't forget the Oklahoma State game in there as well. Because that they were begging to, be, to lose the exact same way in that game as well. Mm-hmm. Just a punchless Oklahoma State team that clearly is playing you know, their worst football of the year. Uh, Hamp says, not good enough. Trey says, unable to close. And then before we get over to, the, uh, to, to Twitter for three-word reviews, this, uh, this is the last one from Michael, who's had some really good ones. Michael, this one hurts, man, but it's you, you got to bring it out there. Michael says, meanwhile, Riley playoff Heisman. Oof. It's an absolute nightmare of a season. Absolutely. With that, and that's, um, it's impossible not to, not to look at that and just be like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's symbolically meaningful, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh. I don't know, man. It's 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 a tough pill to swallow, big time. Because especially because 2022 USC pretty much looks like 2008 to 2000 and, or 2018 to 2020 Oklahoma, like the exact same team. And of course, I didn't get a chance to watch much of the game last night, but it, I'm guessing USC's defense played a lot better than they have been. You know, in a really you know, against a, a good Notre Dame. No, they team. gave up. They. Uh, Notre Dame had over 400 yards and only snapped it 50 times. They had like eight oh, yards so. of play. Well, that's Lincoln Riley. I mean, he he understands game flow. He Plus knows his two turnover a... differential, though. So there you go. Mm, yeah. And I was I was thinking about that. I was texting one of my friends this morning. You know, everything is going exactly the way you know Lincoln Riley would have hoped it would. USC fans, the national media, the Colin Cowards of the world, and you know we're. You know, we were thinking that, that we were going to be right and they were going to be wrong. And it turns out we're the ones that are wrong. We're the ones left holding the bag. And it, it's very humbling to, to it's like, OK, wow, like we didn't know what we were talking about. And what's going to make it even worse, Grant, is when that when USC makes the playoff, of course, Lincoln Riley's going to finally learn from all of those playoff losses and finally like win a playoff game with USC. And it's going to be the worst college football day ever. You think they're going to be gonna beat, really, really frustrating. They're going to beat Georgia, huh? I mean, they, they, Lincoln Riley has experience almost beating Georgia. 
You know, he's got he's got to have a better, you know, pretty good quarterback for that game. Well, I mean, it's going to be. Well, I mean, I I can. There's only one script for USC beating Georgia, and it's spreading everyone out and throwing it 50 times to Jordan Addison and Mario Williams. That's the only hey, way they're going to be able to beat them. But I I don't I don't know if if Lincoln Riley would do that. What if they don't play Georgia? What if USC wins the Pac-12 title and one of these top three teams loses their conference title game and USC sneaks in and plays and Michigan? Is not the four seed. Yeah, because Michigan just, would be the number one seed. I, I don't know. I mean, we have plenty of time to talk about that. I, I will say, though, right now, if the you know, right now, what kind of the assumed playoff matchups are actually pretty intriguing. Georgia versus USC and Michigan versus Tennessee are very interesting games. Tennessee. I'm sorry. T- TCU. TCU. Oh, t- OK. Sorry. Yeah. Because TCU right, can beat t- Michigan. I think everybody agrees with that, right? I. I'm not sure how good. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I know nothing about college football. I, I've been wrong about everything this year, with the exception of a couple of the coaches that we that, that we don't like. Hey, am I like? Still, uh, still, should I should I stay? Just I, I need to I need to not waver on my takes. C.J. Stroud is Ohio State Landry Jones. <laughs> the the one upside to last night is that I think my I, I think my Caleb Williams Heisman ticket's probably going to cash, so that'll that'll ease the the pain a little bit. I only wish I would have, you know, put more on it, but uh, still, it's not not great. Let's go to Twitter, and I'll just put it out. I mean, I, I still have the same handle as I had before I left News Nine because, well, it's a whole thing. Twitter's going through all this change and stuff right now, and and I don't want to. I don't know. I the whole verification thing's going. Who cares? Whatever. So I'll go to Twitter. Brett says, interesting one from Brett. He says, "End in sight." Now. What does that mean, Brett? Do you mean like the se- the the bowl game and the season's finally almost over? Or probably is it is it uh, Brent Venables' tenure as Oklahoma's head coach is ending? So I you know I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I'm just trying trying to to be dramatic. Uh, Caleb says defense still pathetic. Matt says worried about future. And then Matt adds to it. He says haven't seen many promising signs this season, and I'm not expecting any coaching personnel changes in the offseason. You want to talk about that? Because I, um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, man, there, there's a lot of changes that I'd really like to see made there. Um, I, I, think, I think the obvious one right now is uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know. There's no reason for Ted Roof to be part of this staff next year. Like at all. No reason for that to be the case. Well, the question is, how much influence does Ted Roof have right now? And, yeah, I guess that's the question. I, I, I do want to know: is he has he been calling the defense? Has he been, or but like also, why not try to take, why not try to take that position and get and get like an up and comer? Why not try to get like a, a a difference maker there? I mean, maybe the maybe we talked about this before, but the idea is like, oh, you get an up and comer, and then heck, he just he leaves after a couple of years. Because hey, man, like I we, over again. We we came on this podcast. We both hated that hire right away. We hated and everyone. It. Did everyone was like, "What's going on? This doesn't make any and sense." And now and now we we just we just saw a six and six regular season where their defense got shred you know shredded pretty pretty regularly, and they weren't a consistent unit at all. Why is he here? Well, he's he's here because he wanted because he's he's a guy that was never going to threaten to go anywhere else. Brent knew him, and yeah, I, I just. Venables led us to believe that Roof was the guy calling it all year. I, I, I guess I don't know if that's the case. I mean, my thing is, like, if, if Venables started calling the defense more, like, I, he might want to keep that to himself because the defense did not look very good, especially last night. 
Uh, but also, I mean, if if he's not calling it, if Venables is not calling the defense, and that would be a help. Heck, at this point, maybe he just let Matt Wells be the head coach, and then Venables can just call the defense. Okay, I don't and just have a figurehead be a, have a figurehead be the head coach, and Venables can go back to being a DC. I, I, okay, well <laughs> that's stupid. That's stupid. But um, well, I'm just I'm, if I, I don't know how much he's focusing on the defense or not. I mean, what if there's a situation where he's so Venables is so into the defense in game that he's he's not having a chance to to talk with Lebby and figure out that side of the ball. Granted, again, the offense scored a lot of points and did a lot of things, but situationally, there's issues here and there. And that's on the head coach, right? To have a feel for the game and be present situationally and not always focusing in on the defense. And that was always the give and take of, of a Brent Venables being the head coach. We didn't know. Like, the guy's been a defensive coordinator his entire career for the most part. And I think, I, so like, yeah, and a big yeah. problem right now is that Jeff Lebby has not turned out to be the guy where you can just be like, I'm just going to give the offense to him and focus on the defense. Can't do that. Jeff Lebby's not good enough for that. He's not like, he, like just, Lincoln like, Riley was. at all. He's just not, he's just, he, he's doing his own thing at all times. So I, there's, he's going to have to step in there. And I... Gosh, man, it's it's so tough. I just like right here. It's like this is I, I'm in the spot right now where I'm starting to think of things that are just totally unrealistic to get us out of like this type. Of thing. I'm like I'm sitting here crossing my fingers that Wisconsin doesn't hire Jim Leonard, and some sort of thing happens, and oh, you can grab him for a year or two. Well, that wouldn't make any sense. Why would he? Because it, it would never be his defense. It, you know, it's that's another thing too. Is like some young guy wants to come in, like they probably want to do their own thing. It's always going to be Brent Venables' defense, right? That's probably another maybe, big reason but, like, why you I bring don't, a Ted Roof in. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm looking for anything here. They, they got to, because they, they cannot, they cannot go into this offseason doing the exact same thing with the same staff. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. But yeah, does, would Brent Venables want to immediately basically admit that he was wrong about one of his hires by you know, firing somebody? I don't know. He, he's in it, man. He's going to have to make some tough decisions. Yep. This isn't like, this is the, th I mean, just like where we come in, like it's to anyone who watches, it's obvious they have to tweak their tempo philosophy. Is he going to do that? Like that, honestly, like that's an easy thing for Brent Venables to do right now. If he's struggling to have that conversation, we're done here. <laughs> More from Twitter. Jacob says he has a couple here. He says terrible OT play calling. I mean, in the sense that I wish they just would have ran Wildcat the entire OT, then yeah. I, I'm, don't I'm get sorry, to I'm OT. Like the like, guy. I just don't care about overtime. They were up 24 to 6 with six minutes to go in the second quarter. Win, win the game yeah. by four touchdowns. I don't care about overtime. Right. And I know that, I mean, the, the Venables was asked about the field goal, the, the missed field goal. Like, could you review? I, I didn't even, I mean, to me, it, it looked like he missed it. It looked to uh, me, so it looked like, like I mean, to me, it went over the crossbar. It, it was, it, it was yeah, above like, the crossbar. So that means. I don't know. It's it did. Of course, anytime you're settling for a field goal in overtime, like like we saw it in the the Rose Bowl, you know, it's like okay, the game's over. Yeah, you're. But then again, I guess technically though, they they did hold Texas Tech to a field goal attempt. I mean, that's so, what. But Texas Tech wasn't doing. It. They didn't. They ran it three straight times. True. True. Yeah, they knew that was all they needed. And honestly, I didn't. I mean, the whole thing of like, yeah, the. Venables called timeout and they're like oh well, they Venables kept saying like oh you know they we, we blocked the the field goal but we called timeout it's like dude why they weren't blocking the the offensive line didn't block yeah them. it was it would but not also, have like, been if, a if you're Venables why would you like in his pre post game presser he was he like acknowledged he was like yeah you know we blocked the why would you bring that up because it makes you look bad because you called timeout like if you 
basically what you're saying is that I shouldn't have called timeout there because we blocked the field goal. <laughs> no, but like they stopped block. Like I don't. There's there, there's no certainty that they would have blocked it if it was a regular play. Which I'm, I've kind of got to the point where I'm a big fan of just don't, don't even call timeout. Just let them kick it because like the kickers almost think you're gonna call time call call timeout. So if you don't call timeout, maybe that in a way is them. I agree with being that. A little off. I've I've, I've been feeling that way for a while. Well, I mean, it's it's situation to situation. It doesn't matter. It's just like it's whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's another sort of just a weird thing. Like, yeah, it's like it's just an odd thing that he would be hung up on that. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was asked about the field goal thing and the overtime. So I mean, it's not like he brought it up on his own. But yeah. Uh, my former coworker at News Nine, Steve McGee, who was there at the game. Uh, sorry, Steve. That's that's a tough one, man. Steve says, "Caught a tortilla." <laughs> okay. I know that's th- the tortillas get thrown around there. Uh, longtime listener, Josh Adams. Josh, thanks for leaving a three-word review. He says, uh, he kind of keeps it, it's kind of four words, but he, he shortens, he says, third down is one word. Third down, QB sneak, question mark. Now, Josh, are you referencing the, the overtime, the, the quarterback draw on third down? I'm, maybe that's what, uh, was there a time where Gabriel ran a, Q, a quarterback sneak under center or something? No, I, I wonder if he's, if he's saying that's what they should do. On sh- um, on- yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, with Gabriel. Or just run the Wildcat. Nah. Yeah, if you're going to do that, it's fine. If you want to get Braden Willis under center and do that, it's fine. God, I just... The dude get, falls forward. That's what you need. You're so bad in short yardage. I don't understand why that's not been part of the playbook. That's how stubborn Jeff Levy has been over the last three or four games. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I hate guys who are like, we're going to run our stuff and not... I hate it. I hate it. And like, here's the thing. Like, yeah. Here's the thing, Levy. I'm with you. The Wildcats a gimmick, but guess what, man? I'm sorry. Like we're 12 games into your his entire philosophy is a gimmick. Yeah, your offense is kind of a gimmick. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, we got the full. No, we got the full Jeff Levy experience against Texas Tech. We got all the good and all the bad. Let's see. Matt says, "Time for softball." Matt's really wanting to move on to softball season. Hey, man, I'm all about the basketball team. They all of a sudden look good. Let's go. Let's go, yeah. Another Matt, Matt MCI, says embarrassing second quarter. Uh, Gabalonzo Strangelove, Gonzo Strangelove, longtime uh, listener here. He always has some good three-word reviews. He says, ref reviews MIA, question mark. Yeah, he's he's on the same page as me. Frustrating, man. It's frustrating, for sure. What's the standard of when they can stop play to review stuff? I just... But Maybe like also an easy answer to this, and I'm just ignorant. I don't know. But yeah, but also it's like I, I and I get it. I I hate referees. There's not a good one on the entire planet. But um, <laughs> but still, it's like yeah. It's in terms of what I'd like to focus in on that game. I, I just they were up twenty four to six with six minutes to go. Win by four touchdowns. Right. I'll say it it's, over it's and over and over. Part of it. It's a small part of it, but yeah, it's I'm with you. Uh, more from Gonzo Strange. Levy says Levy won't change or Levy can't change. We're on the same page there. Good point. Also, uh, Gonzo Strangelove says recruiting class, and then he does like the little shoulder shrug emoji. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, signing day will be in a few weeks. And then finally, he says coaching is greater than execution. Uh, Gonzo Strangelove, great three-word reviews. I'm with you on all of them. Very good stuff. Uh, more from Matt MCI. He says extra bowl practices. True, but I mean... I mean, more practice is always good, but I mean, we, we saw 12 games. We saw a little bit of improvement, kind of, but then also what a terrible way to end it. So, I mean, how much are they going to get done 
in these extra bowl practices. I bet here I'm calling my shot. I bet they play Iowa in a bowl game. Really? Gar- I bet wow, yeah, I bet would... they're gonna play Iowa in the guaranteed rate bowl. And it's just gonna be a okay. it's going I, I don't even I don't even want I don't even want to think ahead to that, but that's that's just kind of what I'm feeling right now. What an absolute travesty that game would be. <laughs> that would be remember the Cheese It Bowl, the TCU Cal Cheese It Bowl? That was like that was like nine yeah. to six or whatever, and and featured like yeah, thirteen oh, turnovers. I'll never forget it. Oh man, just wait, just wait, baby. Jimmy says another bad loss. Kelly says Brent must evolve, and must is all caps. Correct. Uh, ben with uh, just bringing the hammer down. Hired wrong coach. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, man. I I don't. So I we were in a we were in a group text last night with you know me you and, and Brady Trantham and I, I I asked both of you I was like what is the reasonableness take of of wanting to replace Jeff Lebby as offensive coordinator is 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 that a reasonable take at this point in time and I understand I they just scored forty eight points and had six hundred and seventy yards of offense but is it I hate it I hate his offense so much I hate it so so much. <laughs> it's there's so much nuance because the offense I mean, statistically objectively has been good and honestly it was the only good thing about the team for the first eight games whenever Dylan Gabriel was healthy and he showed his ability Levy showed his ability to be somewhat creative with the wildcat against Texas I know people thought that was weird but I mean yeah like when they couldn't develop a backup quarterback in the spring and summer and fall then they had to do something, and it doesn't. And that's partly again, it, it's on them for not developing a backup quarterback. That's on them, and it doesn't need uh, to be. It yeah. doesn't need to be because he's a bad offensive coordinator. Maybe he just doesn't fit with what OU needs. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you you questioned it from the beginning. It's like, how is this fit going to be with Venables, the defensive mindset with the super high tempo? Is how and like Venables never. He never gave it any thought. He didn't think it was that big of a deal. And because I will give the guy give, truth serum, man, Lincoln Riley yeah. and like, hey, Lincoln Riley, I I hate the guy now, but he adjusted really quickly to the tempo stuff. He 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 adjusted really quickly. Realized right away that his defense is not matching up with an offense that goes super fast all the time. That was something he got almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And and like he and, just, and he he, he, he overcorrected. He overcorrected to the point where he, he started to kind of shoot himself in the foot with how slow he was going and wouldn't ever yeah. utilize tempo when they needed it. But gosh, man, this is just this is just an extreme other side of the spectrum. Very extreme, yeah. Dan on Twitter says, Lebby's no genius, play calling predictable, and then still managed 48. <laughs> That's what's so interesting because, like, yeah, like, you can... The offense was great, yet... It's a problem whenever the offense does that, and yet if you watch the game and you watch the entirety of the season and you use some nuance, there there's situationally issues and problems, as we've discussed the entire podcast at different points of it. And that's the thing is like you you can bang the drum all you want for Jeff Lebby and and say he's not the problem, and you can make arguments that's true. And I'm not. It's just there's everything's got more nuance. Like what we're saying is that there are things that need to be corrected or adjusted. Uh, and that's kind of to, to answer your question a moment ago. Like I no, I I mean personally no. Like I, he's I think he's a good offensive coordinator. It's just the question is, 
throughout an offseason, can he – I mean, he's told us he's a guy that likes to tweak his offense and change his offense and make adjustments every year. It's like, well, in season, that didn't really seem to be the case. So we'll be able to tell if you're telling the truth or not moving forward if the offense does tweak or change or has a different – has a change up here and there. And, you know, through one season, it leads me to believe – at least we have not seen any evidence of it. So we'll, will there be evidence of it by next year? I don't know. Dan also says defensive woes persist and lost another game. Longtime listener Harry says defense is optional. <laughs> Let's see. More on Twitter. Jonathan says watching USC hurts. Kind of does. And don't. Don't watch it. Yeah. It's like a car crash. So you, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, haven't, I, br- I haven't watched a lot of it. I get, yeah. I mean, it bums me out when I watch them. I haven't watched as much as I thought I would, but mainly because it's, it's going better than I thought it would, so it's hurt. it sucks to watch. Like I thought they would have, you know, obviously I thought they'd have more loss. I thought their offense would be good, uh, but and the defense has not been good, but it's been opportunistic. They've, anyways. OU Boom says I want to puke. <laughs> Lou says stop this ride. Uh, Aaron says Lebby's an idiot. Jeff Lebby getting a lot of got a flack. Uh, and then Aaron says his his reasoning. He says he he got Gabriel hurt on the first play of overtime on a stupid play call. And finally, back to Dan. Uh, to end the in the three word reviews, Dan says linebackers are atrocious. And that's Brent Venables and Ted Roof's position group, which is not a good look. Not a good look. Well, yeah, it's a six and six season, Grant. And, you know, they they come out last night with a win. And, you know, the the first quarter, you know, they, they win the game by three or four touchdowns or something like that. And they're consistent. And they're seven and five going into a bowl game. The feeling, especially with the defense, have been playing better for the most part the last quarter of the year. Definitely been a lot more optimism. And now it's just a bunch of question marks. And then even if they play well in the bowl game, it's almost like, so what? Uh, what's that going to mean? Yeah, right now we're just hoping know. we're just hoping signing day in a few weeks is, is a good day, and that they and that there's not there's not too much bloodletting. So let's uh, hope it's a good day, and hopefully they can they can win their bowl game, and then maybe we can go into January feeling at least a little positive. Hopefully with a top ten recruiting class, ending it on a win. But I, you know, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I, I man, I hope they make a lot of changes. I hope they keep with what's working internally. And, and they acknowledge where they've... Because I, I just... I think it's pretty clear. I mean, there's a lot of instances of a lot of mistakes they're making in-game. But they've been, they've been consistent mistakes. They, they shouldn't be that hard to identify. All right. Hopefully this was uh, therapeutic to a lot of you. I, I, again, I'm sure we missed a lot of things, especially from the second half in the game. But hopefully we did touch on a lot of stuff that you guys were annoyed about, burning on afterwards and... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be one of those situations, Grant, where I think, I think OU media, beat media, probably a lot of fans. I, I, there's going to be a lot of criticism thrown out this week. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of people trying to to, to to paint things in a sunshiny mood. I really don't think that's going to be the case this week. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of negativity, and this team has kind of earned it. And I know I, afterwards, Ted Roof he said, you know, I, I feel bad for the guys, the kids. You know, they worked really hard, and you know, yes, okay. You feel bad for the players. They lose a game like that. But here's the thing, man. I mean, you feel bad for any any 
senior or any player in college that let loses or whatever. Like, they all they all practice. They all work hard. That's sure. You got to com- uh, compartmentalize that stuff, and you got to look at the issues. And they shouldn't have lost the game. Who's who's it on? The players certainly made mistakes, but also how many games are they going to lose this year where they lose by a field goal? And there's questionable decisions made throughout the game, whether it's play calling situationally on both offense and defense, whether it's certainly players messing up uh, or just game script situations where they were put in a bad spot by a decision made by a coach. You know, like all this goes into the blender and that's what they got to figure out in the offseason. What the heck went wrong and what kind of changes they can make? Because Brent Venables built himself as a guy that looks in, you know, introspectively self-scout, it's all in the film. And I think that that's stuff has played out. And- a lot of that stuff has played out in the first quarter of the last of these few last few games where they've come out prepared, obviously prepared for what the what the opponent wants to do and they jump on them. And so like I think it's <laughs> so I, they're doing something right in that regard. They're scouting sure. these teams well. It's just uh, as the game progresses, you know, is it is it simply in-game adjustments are not very good? Is that the I mean it's certainly part of it. So, all right, let's well, get out of here. Let's get out of here. Uh, not sure we're going to be back next because we got we got some time here. So uh, keep keep uh, tuning into the West of Everest Facebook page, I suppose, and, and we'll try to update you guys on our next West of Everest podcast. So until next time, whatever that is, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also... Tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.